Hi, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to The Ty Brown Show. I'm excited to be here with you today. It's going to be kind of a laid back short episode today, just talking about some stories and fun, uh, fun conflict. Uh, well, fun conflict, that sounds like a silly thing. Uh, but but actually, I think that's true. Some fun conflict stories. Uh, we're going into the Wild West today. Car accidents, town meetings, and traffic school. Yes. <laughs> Podcasting from Conciliators, this is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point, and you'd like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. So, are you curious to hear how many listeners we've had? Our listener count is uh, continues to climb. I think on the strength of Josh Hogan's network, uh, we were able to amass 1,133 listeners. So thank you, Josh. And you know, having guests on the show is a lot of fun, <clears throat> and and it's neat too that they can help further the cause of the dispute resolution revolution. Uh, for those of you who may be listening for the first time, our mission, the mission of this show is to help everybody disagree better, uh, to feel a little bit less afraid of conflict, and to know how to interact with each other with a little more skill. And uh, that's that's what we're all about. Um, hopefully this will improve your life, and you can improve your marriages, your relationships with your kids, your parents, uh, your coworkers, your friends, and with the people who disagree with you politically. <laughs> just like we learned last week from Josh. Okay, so uh, I had a really, I had a good suggestion. I, I am not, I am not the most savvy social media guy. Someone told me that it would probably make some, some sense to, um, you know, to post a little bit more frequently on uh, Facebook and other other social media networks and to to give kind of to give listeners just a, a, a more uh, just a kind of a fun glimpse just a little preview I guess into into the lives of me and my family because I'm, I'm telling all these stories about my kids and and my wife and me and uh, so yeah I'm gonna start to post a little bit more on social media and, and hopefully most of them will be funny and, uh, and and hopefully the goal of that of course is to further the cause here the dispute resolution revolution just by way of introduction I am Ty Brown, and I uh, I help resolve conflicts for a living. And I wanted to bring the benefits of dispute resolution to uh, just to everyday disputes for for everyday people, and and that's that's why this show was started. And I think we're up. To, what is this? Is it like our twelfth twelfth episode, maybe? Um, so anyway, it's it's marching right along. All right. So I got. Uh, Oh, let's see here. I, you know, I need to like write down better notes. Uh, I, I was listening to some of these episodes uh, on the way down to St. George uh, with my wife and kids. Um, we were going down for the St. George Marathon, which my wife ran and, and I did not. Um, yeah, I can't I can't even like run around the block. So, yeah, it wasn't me. But anyway, we went down, we listened to some of these and it, it occurred to me, I was like, man, I'm, I'm always just shooting from the hip when I do these. I just come in usually on a Monday and record them and just kind of go for it. 
but um, maybe I should structure them just a little better. I can tell those moments where my mind is kind of swimming and all you listeners are probably like, oh man, come on, get to the point, Ty. So I'm going to work on that as well. Uh, So going into our review of last week, last week we talked about how to win arguments for reals, how just exchanging verbal blows, um, even if you kind of are able to pin the other person down, in, unless you're in like a court, uh, there, there's really no there's really no measurable benefit to doing that. If your goal is to influence uh, or to change somebody's mind, it just, it just doesn't really work out. And um, so instead, the the real way to win these arguments is to work towards understanding and learning. And um, and that that is a win. Uh, you're you're getting somewhere if you can accomplish that. And we had Josh Hogan on. He told the story about. Um, a political debate between his twin brother Noah and his friend Sage and how it just was kind of this cantankerous uh, exchange and then it was smoothed over Um, there was mutual understanding and that was a good thing and it allowed for the rest of the year for them to engage in really good political discussions even though they were on opposite spectrums of things and that's, that's kind of special that's sort of a cool thing so I'm hoping that that other people can learn from Josh and uh, and and parrot that same sort of um, that same sort of experience in your own lives. I'm sure you have friends who disagree with you politically, and it's possible to have those relationships be super strong, and to have your conversations be very enjoyable, even though there's not a consensus. So that was last week. Um, Q and A. Yeah, this was a suggestion from a couple of weeks ago to do a little Q and A, and I I didn't receive hardly any questions. I got two, and they were both from the same person. Um, so I thought I would just kind of base the show off of these two questions because they were both really really good questions, and they lend themselves to some fun stories. So first question was this: How do you handle a real dominant personality who's a poor listener? you know, a know-it-all where you can't get a word in edgewise to be part of the conversation. This is a, this is a really good question because it's something we encounter a lot. Um, one of the best things to know going into, or I guess if, you're, if you find yourself in such a conversation with, with a real dominant personality who has taken full control of the conversation and is not allowing you uh, an, an entrance, um, Boy, I've got like a lot of thoughts swimming in my head right now. Um, I guess first and most fundamentally, um, there is a reason why people do this. Um, And I'm trying to remember which book uses this term. Um, But there's this internal voice in, in our heads that can get really loud. And when we feel real strongly about something, that internal voice, you know, just it's really screaming at us. And it makes it almost impossible for us to listen. And a lot of times if you're in a conversation where somebody is just completely dominating and there's no way to get in, a lot of times it's because they just act, they just cannot listen. Um, they're not in a space, in a mental space, where they're capable of considering anything. Um, they have a need to just get everything off their chest. And, um, and sometimes you'll, you'll experience the same thing. You'll be in a conversation where you find like you just can't listen. You, you're unable to absorb, to empathize, to listen, to, you know, to do any of these like real, you know, kind of listening 101 skills. And, and the reason is there's just something boiling up that just 
until it is expressed, until your feelings have been expressed to, to your own satisfaction, there's just not going to be any listening done. And, and if you ever notice that, you can always, you can always just tell the other person, say, look, I have to just, I just have to get this out there because I mean, until I do, I, I feel like I can't take anything else in. And then you just lay it all out there. Um, so, so anyway, I, a lot of times when you find somebody who has a real dominant, uh, control over a conversation, a lot of times it's not so much their personality. It's just this really insatiable need to be heard. And the way I guess the cure for that is to help them to feel heard. Um, so, so you do that by empathizing and by um, kind of reflecting um, you know, that skill where you can tell someone like, oh, it sounds like, and you just kind of parrot back what you're hearing. Um, and you kind of acknowledge that you, you hear them, you understand them. So that's, that's kind of one, one way. But that only covers, you know, a certain percentage of these conversations where someone's really taken control. The other, the other um, and probably even the more common scenario is somebody's personality. They're just a real talker. And it's just hard. It's just hard to get in. And there's not like some urgent need, some very loud internal voice that just prevents them from listening. It's just kind of the way they converse. And so my advice on that uh, is kind of just more practical you know, ask yourself, do you really need to be part of this conversation? Um, If you can just mentally decide, you know what, I'm okay, just not really participating in this conversation, uh, then you don't, you stop feeling the anxiety, the, you stop feeling this like unpleasant, uncomfortable feeling like you got to jump in and be part of it. Just decide, you know what, yeah, I, I don't really need to be a part of this. I'm happy to just, you know, entertain the conversation. You know, maybe it's a family member or something. Um, and it just kind of takes the stress and unpleasantness out of it. If you just kind of decide, you know, I, I, I really don't need to be heard on this. doesn't really matter to me. Um, so yeah, just move along if that's, if that's the case. So here's a quick, I wanted to tell a little story. I, I met somebody with this dominant, uh, kind of incessant personality last night at traffic school. I was you know, serving my time for my plea in abeyance so that the speeding ticket I got won't show up on my driving record. Nobody tell my insurance about this, by the way. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there in traffic school. There's just a handful of people there. It's really a small group. And, uh, there's this German fellow in the front row who, um, boy, I mean, he kind of sat quiet for the first 15 minutes and then all of a sudden just like, whoo, uh, just a torrent of commentary just came and, and it was, it was nonstop. Uh, he was clearly really upset about the ticket he got. Uh, it was about, I, I think he said it was like improper lane changes or too many lane changes. It sounded to me like he was kind of weaving through traffic on the freeway. And, uh, to him, he was just being courteous. He was like, Hey, I was moving over to let someone in. I was moving over again to let them in. And I was getting back in the lane I should be, you know, and, and in his mind, it, it made a lot of sense. Um, you could tell he takes a lot of pride in his driving. And to me, I, I'm sitting back there thinking like, oh man, this is like, like <laughs> he's really worked up about this. And I'm of course thinking about all of these dispute resolution principles. You know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, this, this is like an identity issue for him. Like he, he probably thinks he's like a really stellar driver and he's pretty offended that someone would come out and say like, hey, this driving was irresponsible. Um, you know, when you get cited for weaving, <laughs> it makes you look like you're a real uh, careless, reckless driver, which it was clear his identity was one like, no, I am like, I am a professional. Like I am <laughs> very cautious. 
uh, and know what I'm doing. And so anyway, I was thinking like, yeah, there's like an identity thing happening here. And the poor officer, you know, the poor officer is trying his best to like get this guy to come come off of the rant and, and it just won't stop and just keeps going and going. And the officer's trying to get control of the class and, and finally just kind of snaps, just kind of snaps at the guy. He goes, he goes, hey, I don't care if you don't like the law. If you don't like the law, that's your own fault. You know, you're, you're, who's your representative? Have you told your representative about this? Why don't you tell them? Why are you telling me? This is my job to listen to you rant about, you know, (laughs) everyone in the class was like super uncomfortable. And I I sitting in the back row, just, just smiling and uh, thinking, this is going to be great material for my podcast. Um, And so when the officer snapped, uh, you know, not, not, so surprisingly, it, it caused kind of an increase in the intensity of this German guy's response. Like he 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 did not feel he did not feel heard, uh, even though actually the officer did do like he, he did do some uh, he did some things right. Uh, he tried to he tried to acknowledge the guy's feeling. Uh, he said, you know, I, I see that you're angry about this. And um, and I understand, you know, I've, I've been angry, too, about you know, traffic violations and blah, blah, blah. He was, he was doing a decent job, but, but when he really snapped and was like, you know, take it up with your representative, you know, that, that was not a satisfactory answer for the German guy. And, um, and this is kind of like the stop hitting yourself segment. We always talk about where we end up inviting the very behavior that bothers us. Um, so anyway, the German fellow, he, he kind of like digs his heels in deeper and starts really arguing the merits of this citation he got, and um, and and then he he starts kind of this amazing monologue or soliloquy uh, where he's talking about how you know in Utah all these laws are not designed for safety; they're just designed uh, they're just technical rules that you know produce revenues for the government. And, and it's getting, you know, he's really, boy, he's just really getting into it. And, um, and now I'm starting to feel a little, now I'm starting to feel the effects of the conflict, right? Like I'm, I'm starting to feel like I want to jump in. Like I want to say something. I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, set this guy straight because, uh, you know, I'm a lawyer and I deal with the traffic code a lot and I've represented thousands of clients on accident cases and I, I know a thing or two about the laws that are in place and uh, there is a purpose for them and the purpose is safety and there are legislative committees and hearings and lots of people working really hard to develop a traffic code that keeps people safe, right? That's that's where I'm coming from. And uh, and I, fortunately, before I like started, you know, blurting anything out, I, I kind of realized like, oh yeah, look at this. I, uh, yeah, I have like a different story, different take on this. And, um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try and I'm going to try to assist here because this has gone completely off the rails for like 25 minutes now. And, um, and so I raised my hand and the officer, you know, immediately called on me hoping that this would stop this guy from his, his incessant monologue. And, um, and so I, I decided to lead with, uh, this kind of identity issue that I had spotted uh, from the outset. And so I asked, I asked the guy, I said, Hey, it sounds to me like you're like, you're a really good driver. Like you're, you take it really seriously, your responsibility behind the wheel. And that this seemed unfair that you would be accused of driving recklessly. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. He goes, in fact, I'm a, I'm a pilot. I, I, you know, I'm, 
I can I can operate machinery like more skilled than anyone I know. Like, you know, I'm I'm flying airplanes and and um, you know, and then he starts talking about the rules of aviation and how you can you know blah blah blah. And he says they're much better and they're they're much safer and all these other things. And um, and I just kind of let him talk for for a few seconds. And then I kind of then I kind of interject again and and I start telling him you know well in uh, you know when it comes to to automobile law you know I I, t- I told him I said look I, I'm a lawyer and I represent people in accidents uh, who get injured by people who are violating these these laws and and these laws these they they do keep people safe and when they're violated it often results in accidents and injuries and um, and to that he says well yeah no I under I understand that. And I was like, okay, good. That sounds like we're on the same page. Sounds like you're just upset about your ticket. And he was like, well, well, yeah. And I was like, well, um, you know, we have a legal process for this. If you're upset about a ticket, you you, um, you contest it. And a judge decides whether or not your actions were, were justifiable or not, or, or if they were, you know, against the law or not. And he says, well, I talked to the prosecutor and the prosecutor told me that I clearly violated the law and that there was no, no reason to take it to the judge. And I was like, yeah, the prosecutor, he's not on your side. He's, he's actually against you. He's, he's your opposition. You're the defendant. He's the prosecutor. Um, you shouldn't take legal advice from a prosecutor. That, that seems silly, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, well, you've already entered your plea in abeyance. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's no going back on it now. Um, but, uh, you know, just chalk that up as a learning experience. And yeah, it sounds like next time you, you ought to argue those kinds of things. And he's like, oh, yeah, that makes me feel a lot better. And so and he ended up sitting quietly the rest of the, t- the time. And well, he participated appropriately when, you know, when called upon. But um, no more no more rants and ravings. And it just went really well. Anyway, that was kind of a, a, a in an instance where we had a real dominant personality. And, um, you know, I. I was able to recognize that the reason he's being this way is because there's like, there's this identity crisis going on. (laughs) And, uh, and once that was acknowledged and made explicit, uh, he, he was able to feel like, okay, people understand that I am, I am a careful driver. I'm not a hardened criminal. So anyway, that was, that was, you know, one instance of how to deal with uh, somebody who you can't get a word in edgewise. Uh, real dominant personality who didn't want anyone else to tell them anything. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I think the, the step one, when you have someone like that is figure out why they're being that way. Um, and then step two is deciding if you actually want to be a part of the conversation or not. And, and if not, then just, just let it go. Walk away, walk away. Um, another tool you can use when you've got somebody like this, a lot of times people who talk a lot, have just a little touch of narcissism that um, that makes them that kind of compels them to command conversations, and uh, may, maybe that sounds like a little harsh. I don't mean that in like a harsh way. Like we can all exhibit a little bit of narcissism without being full fledged narcissists. Um, but anyway, um, when you're dealing with someone who's got a little bit of ego in the game, uh, a good way of getting them to stop talking is to introduce a little bit of uh, technique David Burns calls stroking. And that's where you're just kind of, um, you're just kind of giving them, just kind of giving them a little pat on the back. You know, you, you say, you know, I can tell you know a lot about this. You know, that's, that's a good example of stroking. 
or um, you know you always you always make the right decision on these things even when it's tough you know that that's stroking um, and I got to tell you stroking is is not only a good skill for communication but it's also a good way for you to look for a sincere way to compliment people which kind of opens your mind to their story if you start trying to to you know give them some props from from time to time even if they're annoying you um, but stroking is really effective with people who who really dominate conversations. Um, I, you know, as I'm talking about this, I'm reminded of a of a classic use of the stroking technique that I observed. Uh, we were my family, my parents, my my siblings, their children, my children, uh, you know, in laws. Anyway, we're we're all driving back down the mountain from. Our, uh, from our family cabin up in Timberlakes, um, driving down very snowy road, and there's this curve that's like a real sharp 90 degree blind curve. And we're coming towards the curve, and it's going to go left, right? It's going to go left, and it's completely blind. And there's a big drop off on the right hand side uh, of the road. And so here we are driving. And we're kind of caravanning. There are several cars, and um, and I'm in the front car. My brother-in-law Travis is driving. It's a truck, like F-150 truck. He's doing everything textbook. You know, he's going very reasonable speed. We've got chains on the tires. Things are things are in order, right? Prudent operation of a vehicle. Anyway, as he as we come to this turn, right as we get around the the curve, right right to the point where you can see around the curve. Um, there is this big beefy truck going two or three times faster than it should on an icy road. And um, it's, you know, as I'm looking out my window, I see the wheels all lock up and this thing just slides just probably 60 feet, just sliding until it hits the front of the truck that my brother-in-law is driving that I'm sitting in. And um, as I look a little closer, I realize that this big beefy truck that hit us is the security guard for um, for this this place. And this was uh, this was a long time ago. It was probably ten years ago, maybe more. Um, yeah, probably more actually. It's probably like probably like fifteen years ago. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and this guy gets out, and my goodness, is he mad? Like he is so mad, and he's talking about how. He's the guy who handles all the accidents up here and that there are accidents all the time and that he knows his stuff and um, and that and he's, he's accusing he's accusing my brother-in-law of, of causing this accident, which to me just seems preposterous, but that's what he's doing. And um, and my dad was in the car behind us. Now he gets out of the car and he comes up and he's, he's very calm and collected making sure everything everything's okay you know all the people it wasn't a real high speed accident so he checks on everyone we're all doing good and he goes to talk to this security guard and the security guard is still in this mad this just madness rant and he's talking and, and he goes he goes you know what i'm the security guard up here and uh, i know a lot about accidents and i remember my dad using stroking really well he said he goes he goes, do you now? He goes, I guess that makes sense. Uh, you would know a lot about accidents. Tell me, tell me what you know. And it was such a surprising, it was such a surprising reaction. That's why I remember it so well, even though it was a long time ago, because my dad, he is, he is a very, he is very good at using force and tone 
Um, and he's, he's very difficult to push into a corner <laughs> physically and verbally, uh, so to speak. So anyway, uh, it kind of surprised me that he was like, oh, yeah, I bet you do know a lot about accidents working up here. Uh, tell me what you know. And the guy's kind of taken aback. He's not even sure how to answer the question. And then finally, he starts kind of laying out his argument for why this was Travis's fault and not his. And as he's just ranting about this and he's real upset and he's using a lot of, you know, kind of offensive language and it's kind of inflammatory. I remember my dad just walking around um, and he, he's got he's got like one of those old school video cameras out. <laughs> and um, as he's he's listening to the guy and he's just kind of taking video of the cars and stuff. And and um, after he's done this and listened for a minute, um, he uh, he said something to the effect of um, he basically he pulls out the big guns right um, so he he's been up to this point he's been stroking he says yeah I think you probably do know a lot about accidents tell me what you know um, so there was some really good use of stroking and, and it kind of now gave him the floor the other guy had finished his his argument and um, and had been heard out and then I remember my dad pulling out the big guns uh, I remember him telling him. You know, I've uh, I've represented tens of thousands of people injured in auto accidents over the last 30 years. Uh, I've been the managing partner at a personal injury firm uh, for basically my entire career. Um, you know, three decades of, of experience there, and I've never lost a jury trial. And I'm thinking with this video, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances on this one. And... Um, and then he and then he just kind of started showing him some of the specifics. Uh, you know, well, here, let's look at these skid marks. Um, you know, I'm no accident reconstructionist, but it would seem to me. And he, he kind of goes through all this. And I remember the guy finally just like in frustration, he just left the conversation. He just stormed off and sat in his truck. And um, and as as you might suspect, uh, his insurance ended up paying for all the damages there. And, uh, but it was just, it was such a great use of stroking. And then when he pulled out the big guns and was like, yeah, you think you know a lot about accidents, but actually like you don't, you really don't. Um, and, uh, I think the guy realized he was outmatched and it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a funny, uh, kind of a funny story. It just came to mind. Um, boy, I am, uh, I am into this several minutes and we are just moving slow. So I'm sorry guys, here it goes. I'm going to speed this up. Um, so another tool, if you're dealing with a difficult dominant personality is, um, oh man, I just have so many thoughts. You can always just use the blunt force tool. Um, this is where it's like, you don't worry about being overly articulate or anything. And you just say something to the effect of, Hey, can I, can I say something? You know, you're just asking for permission. You're just kind of pointing out, Hey, there's, there's no room for me to enter this conversation and I'd like some room. And uh, that works really, really well. And it's not really offensive either. Just say, hey, can I can I say something? Uh, it works really good. Um, that's kind of piggybacking on a technique. Um, again, I can't remember which book this comes from, um, but called, uh, oh, what is it called? Naming the Dynamic. That's where there's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of dynamic that's being used by, uh, during a conversation and it's it's not it's not a productive one and so you just kind of come out and say you know the problem you're seeing it's like you you say something like you know I can tell you feel really strongly about this just by the way you talk about it um, but I just I haven't had a chance to enter the conversation here um, 
I'm, I'm wondering if you could, you know, maybe, maybe you just, when you're done talking, remind me that I have, a, I, I want to tell you about this story. Okay. Uh, okay. Ready, go. Right. Um, but, but you kind of point out to the other person, like, you know, Hey, you're not listening. Um, or, or, you know, I haven't had a chance to, I haven't had a chance to say anything in this conversation. So, so you're kind of pointing out like, Hey, all this stuff you're doing, you're not getting away with it. Uh, I'm noticing it. And, um, and then you're, you know, you're naming the dynamic it allows you to reframe things and, um, move, move along. Oh gosh. That reminds me of another great story. Um, yeah, I'm going to share it quickly. So I sit on the Sandy city board of adjustment and on this board of adjustment, we occasionally get people who are appealing decisions of the planning commission or they're, um, or, or they've applied for a variance from the, the zoning or the land use code and the board of adjustment hears these things. A lot of times they're represented by attorneys. Sometimes they're not. And a lot of times we open it up to, well, we always open it up to public comment. Sometimes there are some really colorful commentary, uh, coming from the public. And so it's anyway, it's like perfect grounds for lots of conflict. Right. And there was a recent one where one of the attorneys was, um, he kept, he kept saying to the board, uh, he, you know, he kept saying, well, your city attorney would say this and this and this, and he, he, he would tell you blah, 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 blah. And, and so he was using as his authority, the Sandy city attorney who, who really provides a lot of the training and recommendations for the, for the board of adjustment. And he kept saying this over and over and over and over. Um, he really overplayed the card. And, um, and so at some point, uh, during his argument, I, I kind of interrupted him and, and just pointed out that he kept doing that. Um, but, but I did, I tried to do it in a humorous way instead of like a accusatory way. I think I said something like, um, Hey, maybe we should, maybe we should, uh, the city attorney's name is Steve. I said, maybe we should let, uh, maybe we should let Steve take the floor here. Uh, there's been a lot of talking on his behalf and I'm wondering how comfortable he feels about everything that's been said. And, you know, it's funny. Everyone started laughing and, and the guy was like, oh yeah, sorry, I'll stop doing that. Um, and, um, so anyway, that was an example of, of naming the dynamic and then reframing. Uh, and it, it worked well. It, it wasn't offensive or anything. So those are some ways to deal with a real dominant personality. All right. So the second question was how to handle the superior, whether that's like a parent, a boss or a leader or whatever, who has to have everything done his or her way. And there's just no budging them, right? They are really, really, they've got all the power and they are completely uninterested in anybody else's feedback. Um, and I got to tell you this, um, the, the principles that I've taught so far about dispute resolution and, and, and having, you know, having these conversations go well, it, it is easier going down a hierarchy than it is going up. Um, those power imbalances make it harder. Um, you know, if you're, if you're the boss, yes, you can transfer someone to a different department. You can fire somebody. You, you have all these tools at your disposal. Um, but if, if you're not, if you're going up the chain, if you're going up the hierarchy, you have a lot less, you have a lot fewer methods, <laughs> uh, at your disposal. But I've got to tell you, and, and, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to say this without coming across like, I don't know, arrogant. Um, but this is, this is probably like where I feel most confident um, in, in my conversation skills is when I'm going up a hierarchy. 
where dealing with power imbalances. I feel like that's where I'm like at my very best. Um, th- yeah, these situations where you know I'm trying to go up the chain on something that's challenging. Um, so yeah, so so let's 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 talk about this. I, I want to just insert a little miniature rant here. It is so common in business. It's like uh, for for people to be bullies in business. That's like a leadership style, like the bully. And I don't know why that's so common, um, but it does sort of seem to me that a lot of people that have prominent positions in in organizations, uh, for them to believe that they've just earned the right to fully indulge their bad mood as just a perk of of success. It's like, you know what? I have achieved so much here that one of my perks is I get to be just a complete dirtbag if I'm in a bad mood. I get to treat everyone like scum. Uh, and I don't know why people think that's like a perk of success uh, because it's not. Um, it's not. It's not. It's offensive and it it really limits your power in the organization. But anyway, that's just my mini rant. It's kind of like a learned skill. People, people learn that sometimes, well, very often, you can get what you want by bullying. Um, the problem is, although it might appear that you've gotten what you want, meaning you've gotten your way, you have no buy-in, you have no resources, you have, you have very limited chances of actually succeeding um, without the support of the organization, which you lose when you bully. So anyway, that's my little rant. Um, here's, so, but here's my, like my secret. Here's my secret and the lens that I view power imbalance conversations through. There are two, well, there are lots of different kinds of power and people often only narrowly focus on the power to control things, the power to control situations, which is what like a boss has or a parent has. They are in power. They get, they have the final say. Um, but that's not the only kind of power that exists. If, if you are subordinate to them, you still have power, but your power is different. It's the power of influence. And, and actually the challenge of influencing a controller is just kind of thrilling to me. And, and it's, uh, I mean, I don't recommend that, that other people feel this way and I'm not encouraging it, but sometimes it's kind of thrilling to, to go into a situation where you have no controlling power and still find a way to, um, to influence an outcome in a, in a favorable, in a way that you believe in, um, does that make sense? I, I, I wonder if I'm making any sense on this at all. Um, but it's kind of like the neck that turns the head. My wife always, my wife always says that, that even if I think I'm the head of our household, that she's the neck and she controls everything I do, which is, which is true. Um, yeah, it's, it's very true. She, she could, she can manipulate me, uh, although I don't think she would call it manipulation. Um, so anyway, so how do you influence a controller? You know, that's, that's the question. Well, first and foremost, know that there's no position required. You don't have to have any certain position to influence someone who has all the power. Um, my secret on influencing them is, is that, and, and as I'm telling this, I'm like wondering if I should be sharing this secret, but, but I'm going to because it might help you. So if you can convince the person who has the control that you understand that the decision is in their domain and that you don't have power over the decision. So they, they, they know that they don't need to be defensive or they don't have to remind you who has the authority here. 
you, you put them at ease proactively, put them at ease that you understand their status. Um, I think that's really critical. And and then you, you also make it clear that they don't need to push back to what you're saying. So, so whatever you're offering, you're doing it in a way where it's you're not staking a position, right? Um, I come into all of these situations with as close to a neutral perspective as possible. Um, and probably this best demonstrated by if I could just like come up with like an example off the top of my head here, but um, I'll, I'll give that a shot. So, so let's say you go into a situation with your boss and you could kind of put them at ease saying something like, you know, you're in charge here and, um, and maybe you insert a little stroking. And, and it always seems like no matter how, you know, tough the decision is, it always seems like, like you're able to, to work it out and um, get us through it. And, um, and, you know, I've got a lot of confidence that you'll be able to do that again here. So, you know, you've got a little stroking. You've reminded them that you understand your position. You understand their position. Then you say something like, oh, you know, I, I don't even know if this is helpful to you, but um, but I can see I can see both sides of this issue. You know, you're saying blah, 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 blah. Right. And you're you're helping them understand like you get what they're saying and you understand their points. Right. And now now they're like they're really tuned into you. They are like really they're listening to you. And then you can say. Um, you know, and it seems like they, you know, whoever's on the opposite side of the issue seems like, seems like they're more focused on X, Y, and Z. And, you know, just as an outside observer, I think blah, 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 blah. And, 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 um, that would, you know, this thing would be important to me just, you know, as an outsider looking in and, um, and suddenly, you know, you've got the leader, you've got this person in power who's really, really listening to you and is really understanding you and they're understanding their own points and interests a little better and they're understanding you've reframed the you know the the opposition's position to this leader and, and now they understand them too and and that's how you can really influence leaders i think um uh, you know another tip I, I already said this but but using stroking uh, with leaders really helps um it, it even helps with parents uh, help them to feel accepted and help them to uh, feel like you appreciate the work that they're putting in. That that helps people to listen and open their minds to influence a lot. Um, so, you know, in summary, um, you can use influence. Um, you do that by, you know, you can't threaten their control. R- remind them that you understand their status as the decision maker and um, then provide them uh, with some insightful perspective, right? And, and I always use the term as an outside observer because it's, it's a very safe place to be as an influencer. You're not putting your neck on the line. You're saying, hey, as an outside observer, this is what I see. I, I, I don't use it just as like a little trick of communication. I use it as like an honest to goodness perspective that I try to take on when I'm in these difficult conversations going up the chain. Um, because it's just a very useful perspective. It's a useful perspective for a leader to know. And if you can provide it, they'll appreciate that. So those are my thoughts on this. And um, darn it, I didn't keep the episode as short as I wanted. I really wanted to keep it shorter this week and uh, I've I've blown it again. So I'm sorry, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, These stories are kind of fun. And uh, again, take them, learn from them. Uh, Hopefully you can share your stories with me. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I didn't get hardly any feedback all week. Uh, So submit some questions to me. 
uh, let me know like what situations are hard for you. And um, also, I uh, would love to have some of you on the show. So if you have any interest or a story we're sharing, reach out to me. Let's, uh, let's get you on the show, share your story, talk about it, learn from it, and, and maybe inspire some other people to improve the interactions that they're involved in every day. All right, everybody, um, share the show if, if you can. Uh, invite other people to listen to it. It continues to grow. The dispute resolution revolution is marching on, guys. Um, it's, I love going out and seeing people I haven't seen in a while and they tell me, hey, I'm listening and, and I'm working at, at applying some of these skills. Uh, and, and, you know, I've reached out to my mother who I haven't talked to in forever. Anyway, that just makes me so happy. And I, I, I'm just hoping everybody can start making more and more of an effort at this. Um, I know I've been making more of an effort too um, in my own life. So um, anyway, keep up the good work. Uh, thank you again for listening. I, I really am... Uh, I just, I'm so grateful that you guys would take time to focus on some of these skills. Um, it makes me very happy. So keep up the good work. We'll talk to you next time.